Welcome to Rama for Today Radio. Lord, what about him? How is he going to wind up? Just as plain as somebody sitting behind him said, well, he never asked me for any kind of a plan. He farms his own plans. Then he asked me to bless him. Now, I'll bless him as far as I can, but I can't meet his financial needs because he's putting forth his plans and not mine. I didn't tell him to do a lot of these things he's doing. He just added that to what I did tell him. He tacked that on, tacked on something else over here, tacked on something else over here, and I can't bless him. I would if I could, but I can't because I'd be putting my approval on his plans, and you see, then his purposes are all wrong, and if his purposes are wrong, then his pursuits are wrong. It's better to have God's plan. You're listening to Rama for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagan. Today, we continue the series, Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits by Kenneth E. Hagan. Learn to lay aside desires that aren't from God and pursue God's plan for your life. Stay tuned as we listen to this powerful, timeless teaching. Also, later in today's program, I'll give you the details on this month's special offer. Right now, here's Kenneth E. Hagan's message. And I didn't say anything. Because I never said anything to this day about what anybody did, even though they did wrong. I just went my way and looked to the Lord, and God met my needs. And so uh, then we went on, and we had the agreement, you see, to go on almost Christmas time. And this was many years ago. He, he wanted me to preach Sunday morning every time I was there, and then he called a Sunday afternoon service. See, his, his purpose is all wrong. It's man's idea. He said, well, on Sunday afternoon, we can get people from all the other full gospel churches in the city. And, and he had just built a new, beautiful auditorium. In fact, had the biggest church auditorium of full gospel in the city. And he said, we can get them to come from all of them and raise a good offering. Never put money first. I've never in all these years been without money. I've been mighty low. But I don't say a whole lot about money. The Lord said to me when he appeared to me in that first vision, be careful about money. Many upon whom I place my spirit and call to such a ministry become money-minded and have lost the anointing. I don't want to become money-minded and lose the anointing. And so he said we can get money. See, his purpose of getting the crowd together is to get money. And so he had raised a big offering. And then he said to the people, and we already you know, talked, you know, and was going on this third week. But he said to them on the afternoon, you know, he's up there making announcements. He said, uh, uh, we don't know whether we'll go on another week or not. He said, come tonight and we'll tell you. And then while somebody's saying, he wished me, he said, well, I told them that so that, that we get them to come back to our church tonight from their churches, you know, and then we'll tell them we're going on. Just like somebody said, in fact, I looked back there and there wasn't anybody behind me. I heard a voice say, when you get up, tell them you're closing tonight. You close tonight. I said, Lord, now I'm going to miss an extra off in here, and I'm going home and be off a little extra time. And so it takes so much money a week to meet my budget, and I have no income. And then secondly, we haven't bought any Christmas presents yet. And, and, and we got, I've got children, and I've got family. And how am I going to, I mean, what am I going to do? You can't start another revival. Not, not close to two weeks before Christmas. He said, don't bother about that. I'll take care of you. And incidentally, I went home full of joy. And the next week, only time in all those years, all those years, only time it never happened, letters started to come. I think I had gotten as much as $36 at Christmas time in Christmas cards. 
But all of that week, the next week, one fellow wrote from California and said, Brother Higgin, the Lord laid on my heart to send you $150. Now, this is not my tithes. You know I pay my tithes to my church where they belong. I give them the missions here. This is extra. God told me to send it to you. And in that one week, you know, don't sound big now, but you can take back the 50s, you know. This is, it's, it's all right. I got 300 and some odd dollars. Praise God. That saw me through. Never have done that again. But I said, Lord, because see, I felt sorry for this man. Lord, I said, what about him? I know because I'd prayed for him. Knew I couldn't get him healed, but prayed for him anyway. You know, he might get blessed by me just praying for him. He said, because he's got ulcers. Lord, what about him? How's he going to wind up? Just as plain as somebody sitting behind him said, well, he never asked me for any kind of a plan. He farms his own plans. Then he asked me to bless it. Now, I'll bless him as far as I can. But I can't meet his financial needs because he's putting forth his plans and not mine. I didn't tell him to do a lot of these things he's doing. He just added that to what I did tell him. He tacked that on, tacked on something else over here, and tacked on something else over here. And I can't bless him. I would if I could, but I can't. Because I'd be putting my approval on his plans. And you see, then his purposes are all wrong. And if his purposes are wrong, then his pursuits are wrong. It's better to have God's plan. And his purpose. And pursue that. Plans, purposes, pursuits. And so, so many times we make our plans, then ask God blessing on our plans. It's better to wait before God than get his plan. Even as a pastor, an evangelist, a teacher, whoever you are. Get his plan. His plan for our lives. His plan for our ministry. His plan for our church. I remember when God began to deal with me. In fact, he dealt with me 40 some odd years ago. And I didn't understand what it was. In fact, I left the church I was pastored in 1943. Or 44. And during 1944, 1945, I was on the field holding meetings. What we call church meetings. And uh, we had good things happen. Gifts of the Spirit operating. People healed. In fact, during the war... People got busy, you know, working in war plants and people's minds are divided. And I had a pastor after pastor, full gospel pastors, to tell me, he said, this is the first time anybody's got the baptism in this church in three years. Some of the church told me, said, this is the first time anybody's got saved in this church in three years. And nobody's got healed till you came. So people were getting saved, getting healed, and getting filled with the Spirit. You see, a lot of time we accept second best and God can't bless us to the full extent because it's our plan. Well, I wasn't doing really, I didn't really understand what God wanted me to do. And sometimes at three or four o'clock in the morning, I'm out in the church walking up and down the aisles of praying, seeking God. And so it didn't work out. So I went back to pastor. And then God began, I began to stir myself. He didn't stir me, but I began to stir myself up in the winter of 1947, 1948, doing extra seeking of God. Always prayed quite a bit, but extraordinary seeking of God and some fasting. So I said to the Lord, you know, I've got something wrong with me. I mean, I must be abnormal. I've got every reason in the world just to be satisfied. This is the best church I've pastored. I've got the most money I ever have. I'm driving the best automobile I ever drove. I'm wearing the best clothes I ever wore. We're, we're living in the best parsonage we've ever lived in. We're the most comfortable we've ever been. My wife and I and two children are happy. Everything just lovely. 
The church is fine. I went back over all the records. The church wasn't a real old church. Of course, that was a number of years ago now. But at that time, it was only about 19 years old. And I checked all the records. I said, we're running the most in Sunday school they've ever run in the history of this church. We got the most finances because we got all the financial record. The most finances we've ever had in the history of this church. I ought to be sad. What's wrong with me? Am I abnormal? Something, you know, you, you know I, I said to the Lord, it's sort of like you wash your feet with your socks on. You know, you don't know exactly what's wrong, but you, something's wrong, you know, don't feel right. And something on the inside of me. And so after a time of seeking God, one day he said, well, what's wrong is I never did call you to pastor to begin with. That's not your calling. Never called you to do that. Thank God he allowed me to pastor for 12 years. You just learn some things that way that you won't learn any other way. And I tell the students, and many of them are here graduates, that I think sometimes that all of the pastors, all, all of the evangelists and the teachers, and all of those folks in field ministry ought to be compelled to at least pastor two years. Then there's a lot of things they say they wouldn't say, and there's a lot of things they do they wouldn't do. And then I think sometimes that every pastor ought to be forced out on the field at least two years, just out there alone. And then he learned a little something about, you know, how to entertain a guest speaker. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Are you listening to me? And so, you see, I just assume, and you know, there's something about the Lord that he won't tell you if you don't ask him. He's a perfect gentleman. No, he won't interrupt you. And I want you to hold that in your mind because I'm going to get to that later. No, he won't interrupt you. No, Holy Ghost won't do that. And so... Uh, He's a gentleman, see, so when he said, I didn't call you the pastor, I just assumed I didn't ask him. I should have, but I didn't. Well, what did you call me to do? I just assumed, well, I'm not a pastor, so I'm an evangelist. That's who I am. I'm an evangelist. Because, you see, I came up first in Southern Baptist. I was born and raised Southern Baptist. And all they ever recognized was pastor evangelist. And, and they thought the Sunday school teachers, the teacher gift they're talking about here, and, it, and it's not at all. And then I got the baptism in the Holy Ghost in 1937, spoke with other tongues, and came over among the Pentecostals and made an application for papers with the Pentecostal group. And they just asked the one question. I don't know what to do now, but in those days said, are you a pastor and evangelist? Well, I was pastor, so I wrote down pastor, see? And so then that's all they recognized was pastor and evangelist. So I just assumed that I'm an evangelist. So I set out to be an evangelist. Fell flat on my face. Been out there a solid year. Wore my car out. Out there afoot now. We're living in a three-room, not three-bedroom, three-room apartment. When I came in home, Ken had to sleep and roll away bed in the kitchen in the wintertime, in the summertime, out on the screened-in back porch. And children are inadequately clothed and not adequately fed. And... Uh, the Lord kept trying to get me to teach. I said, Lord, you, you, can, you know, 1950, 4950, they want me to preach. I can't get any meetings of teaching. They want an evangelist. They want a revivalist. You can't make it a teaching. So I was preaching down in Henderson, Texas, January of 1950. Started the last Sunday of 49, went on over into January of 50, you see. And so I, I was dealing with that thing, praying about that thing. Finally, I said, all right, Lord. Now, see, I'm talking about plans. We just do things because we think that's the way it ought to be done. We think, well, that's the way our church does it. We think that's the way others do it. 
So that's the way we would do it. No, hear from heaven for yourself. No doubt in my mind at all, God spoke to certain individuals and they do these, but somebody said, well, what did they do? I'm going to find out what they did and whatever they did, I'm going to do it. And then they go to doing it and fall flat on their face. Some fellow over here seemed to have a good program going in this church. Things are just going real good. And somebody hears about that, so a pastor runs over there. Well, what are you doing? I'm going to get his plan. I'm going to put that plan to work in my church. It may not work in your church at all. It may not be what God wants in your church. You better get out on your knees and find out for yourself what his plans are. Because he'll put his approval and his blessings on his plans. And, and you know, it just works so much better. But if you try to build your house yourself, you'll labor and labor and labor and labor and finally get it built and it'll all look good and wonderful, but the Lord wasn't in it at all. You're listening to Rama for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagan. This month's special offer is the series you've been listening to today in book form, Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits by Kenneth E. Hagan, plus the two-disc CD series, Decisions Determine Destiny by Ken Hagan. Both dynamic resources are just $19.95. Call 1-888-FAITH-99. Don't delay. Call 1-888-FAITH-99. That's 1-888-FAITH-99. Or if you prefer, write Kenneth Hagen Ministries. Our address is P.O. Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150. Don't forget, for faster service, order online at rhema.org. That's R-H-E-M-A dot O-R-G. Now, let's join Ken and Lynette Hagen. We have, in November, we have College Weekend, and that is November the 9th through the 11th. So if you're interested in coming to Rhema Bible Training College, hey, this is a good time to check us out. Oh, yeah. Call today to get this month's special offer, the two-CD set from Ken Hagen, Decisions Determine Destiny, and the book Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits by Kenneth E. Hagen. This special offer is just $19.95. Call now. The number to call is 1-888-FAITH-99. That's toll-free, 1-888-FAITH-99. Tomorrow on Rama for Today, we continue with the teaching by Kenneth E. Hagan, Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. Thanks for listening to Rama for Today with Ken and Lynette Hagan.